This episode discusses sexual assault. If this is a trigger point for you, you may consider not listening to the show this time. An hour in the life and sin acknowledges and pays respect to the owners of the land upon which the House of Sin and Studios stand, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We also acknowledge and pay respect to the elders, traditional owners of the lands our content reaches, as well as the radio stations and broadcasts from across the country. Welcome to An Hour in the Life with Charlie Bell, where we discuss a unique person's passion, what led them to that passion, and the music in their life. Today I'm talking with Marush Wegren. Marush is a love life consultant, mentor, speaker, facilitator, entrepreneur, lover of life, and all-round go-getter. He helps individuals to become better lovers, not only in the bedroom, but better lovers of life overall. Founder of Love Life Foundation and Love Life Education, his mission in life is to put an end to sexual assault, abuse and interference within four generations via education. His passion and self-identified life calling has been of a humanitarian nature to help ease human suffering. He seeks to do this by helping people through a process of self-discovery and provides assistance, education and healing to enable inner fulfillment. This is achieved through his former organisations Sensual Healing, assisting in areas of love, intimacy, sex and relating, and his Cuddle Party Australia, enabling human intimacy between strangers in a non-sexual manner. These programs have been moved into a more holistic arena into his love life education. Marush has created a methodology called the Love Life Formula teaching people their own formula of loving life and celebrating living via the love cups. Marush, welcome to An Hour in the Life. It's fantastic to have you on board. How are you going? Thanks for inviting me, Charlie. Yeah, no worries at all. I know you've had a really busy day and really (laughs) appreciative to have you on the show. Thank you. So your job is to ease human suffering and enrich in people's lives. What do you love about your job? It's a beautiful question. For me, predominantly, it's about uh, restoring people's love of life. Mm. Um, The world is going through a tremendous time of suffering Mm. and turmoil, not only internally, but uh, also in the outside world with all the complications that we're we're facing on a day-to-day basis. So, um, yeah, a lot of people have become disconnected from that really pure essence Mm. and that exquisite feeling of love and whether they're integrating that within their life, whether they're you know, supporting that within their family, their relationships, their uh, social scene, whether they've got that in their vocation and their career or uh, whether they just seek that overall. Mm, great. So being the founder of Love Life Global, you currently have a few arms within um, that enterprise. Could you give us a bit of a background on what each of those arms are currently doing? Yeah, so uh, many of those arms are at embryonic stage at the moment and it's in mm-hmm. development. Uh, I am a, a very large, visionary, big global thinker. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I'm in the process now reverse engineering that in order to be able to fulfill those, uh, those sectors mm-hmm. that I've developed. So for instance, uh, like Love Life Global is essentially the umbrella for uh, all the Love Life initiatives to evolve. So within that, there's Love Life Education, mm-hmm. Love Life TV, and, um, and Love Life Foundation, which is the non-profit arm that uh, 
allows people to contribute to the cause and uh, that provides funding towards those other initiatives to develop the education platform that I'm in the process of developing as we speak. Mm. So on a day-to-day basis, are you talking with people one-on-one or are you running bigger workshops? So at the moment, it's uh, predominantly one-on-one mm-hmm. and I do love working intimately with people because mm-hmm. I get a tremendous amount of transformation in doing so and small groups and I do love Seminar Arena as well. So it does vary in and I do love appearing on other people's platforms and radio shows just like this. Yeah, and fantastic. Uh, so for me, I, I love as much outreach as possible. I really want to be able to you know, lift the spirit of humanity mm-hmm. and uh, you know, restore some hope back into life. And it's really important because uh, if we, we, we can't operate from this beautiful place within, then what else have we got? What are we mm. operating on a day-to-day basis by? Um, so on this show in our in the life, of course, the guest chooses all the songs. And today <laughs> you've picked some absolute ripping songs. Uh, the first one we have is Born to be Alive by Patrick Hernandez. What does this song mean to you? It's one that always lifts my spirits and you'll see uh, and you'll hear when you actually do listen to it. It's just one of those funky, kind of tacky, old school uh, 80s songs that um, just kind of lift your spirit. And I used to have it as my ringtone on my phone. (laughs) So I remember being in the bank one day and uh, somebody phoned me up and (laughs) I just had all these laughs that burst out. And and just a simple way, a little thing like that of bringing a smile to people's dial is a, is a beautiful thing. So huh. for me, listen to the lyrics. It's about born to be alive. And yeah, it's really about getting into yeah. life and being alive. It's, it's fantastic that you still like the, the song despite it being your ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, here it is, Born to be Alive by Patrick Hernandez. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that one. You were listening to An Hour in the Life with Charlie Bell on Sin Nation. Today I'm talking with Marush Wegren, and he is uh, a love, intimacy, and sex coach and all-round lover of life. So, Marush, what do you think is the root of most people's problems? I've worked with thousands of people in probably nearly the last 15 years in the health, well-being, and personal development field, and tremendous amount of people who are either suffering um, I've, I've really looked at on a core level what is it the one thing that it kept coming back to and that everyone was really craving is a sense of connection hmm. Hmm. a connection with self connection with others and connection with the greater whole be it the world we live in or the spiritual aspect and from someone that's religious would that greater whole be considered god whatever they perceive god to be absolutely Mm. yeah since you you're able to identify that what is the overall thing that you attempt to give someone that may have some problems uh that reconnection first of all with self Mm. um is that reconnection with self Many people externalise, and, and I've also felt prey to this as well, and through my own personal human experience, um, have externalised a lot of that connection outwardly. So it really had to come back to self, and it's a constant practice. And sometimes, you know, we as individuals, and I'll speak about myself in first person, um, can be my own worst critic. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, 
I can be sometimes hard on myself and, uh, you know, sometimes it just takes a constant reminder of, hey, I'm doing the best that I can. I'm the, being the best version I can of myself and being okay with that mm. and uh, giving myself a little bit of um, you know, permission to, to love life yeah. and not be so hard and, uh, and really enjoy some of the most pure and beautiful essences that uh, life has to offer mm. through frame-by-frame frame moments as opposed to this whole holistic or end destination goal or journey that so or quest that so many people are on to uh, get to and mm. so um there's a thing about uh you know if i ask people it's like, how are you and it's like oh yeah you know getting there and i was like oh getting there it's like okay where, where's there and mm. it's like and how will you know when you get there mm. and they're like what and it's like well you said you know i said well no i don't know you one, you presumed that, yeah, you know. And it's like, well, no, I don't know, hence why I asked you the question. Mm. And two, getting there, and it's like, well, where's there? Mm. And they're like, what are you talking about? And it's like, and there's just this auto-response that many people can probably relate with. Yeah. And so I actually wanted deeper conversations and, and say, well, what's really going on? Yeah, and because uh, they don't have that level of self-awareness, they're not a- even able to describe it. Well, it's just generalizing and becoming a little, again, that's that disconnection, disconnection mm. from self and there's so much either going on in the mind or so much going on in life that uh, they actually forget to be a little bit more specific mm. in their engagements with one another. And is that is that a result of technology in the modern world? Oh, geez, technology. Yeah, well, I feel um, at times can be uh, soul-sucking mm. and uh, I'm, I'm not one of, you know, of the technical era, but... Uh, I do realise it serves its purpose and it's a beautiful thing for, you know, globalisation and, and outreach mm. and uh, sharing of communication and information, which is an exquisite thing. Mm. But uh, a lot of people are now kind of hooked and there's an addiction on devices and there's an escapism within that and it's another distraction of what's really going on in life. So um, I, I'm, I'm okay with technology within moderation and mm. it serves a purpose, but uh, look, even... I caught public transport in Melbourne City here on the way through and uh, the amount of people that are looking down at their devices and where they're walking and so forth, no one has conversations with one another. Mm. It's like, where? what happened to the basic forms of human connection? Mm. It's like, hi, talk to a stranger, look up in the world and everyone's looking down and it's just like a television screen and many people, well, I wouldn't say zombified, but it's just, again, Close. yeah, <laughs> yeah, just uh, kind yeah. of immersed and lost in a, in a I guess, a, a synthetic world. So how does the reduction in connection to the real world reduce love for ourselves? Well, that's the hilarity of uh, technology and we look at the social media platforms and the way we've got communication and we're probably more connected than ever digitally, but yet we feel even more disconnected than ever. Mm. And human interaction is a massive thing and it's one Mm. of those primary fundamental human needs that we naturally adapt Mm. and occur from birth yeah and, and, and we've uh, evolved this way well the first thing that happens when we're born we're going straight to the mother's bosom and there's that sense of skin to skin contact human contact breath to breath heartbeat to heartbeat the sense of warmth and uh most people crave just basic forms of human connection again mm. yet it's through an interface yet you could be sitting right next to the person next to you and would not even say hello or raise an eyebrow mm. yeah do you have any tips for um, for raising that level of connection um, 
in in, the, in our everyday lives? Yeah, I do. And it's something I actually remind myself about, to be quite honest, because uh, even though I do get up in you know large public arenas and do media spots and done television and can stand in front of several hundreds of people at one time and mm. speak... Um, Funnily enough, my social love cup is my least strength of all my love cups. Mm. And uh, <laughs> mm. and I find that I need to apply myself because I'm more of an introvert and, mm. you know, I, I'm a very deep and reflective person as an individual. And uh, I find for me, what I'm reminding myself is doing is get out of my comfort zone mm. and, uh, you know, apply myself in striking up conversations. Like, mm. um, yeah, and it's whether it's put me in a social scene, like if it's out in, like I don't tend to do, you know, bars or clubs or anything like that. It's just mm. not my thing because you can't really strike up an in-depth conversation in mm. there. And so, but sometimes in an unfamiliar environment, it's like, whoa, I just got to get out of my comfort zone and ask a question that, for me, it's a question that's in-depth that will strike up. And it's like, it's like, you know, what do you love about life? Mm. And people, it's not a general question that gets asked. And it's like, oh, wow, that's not question about the footy or the weather <laughs> it's like well what do you yeah. genuinely love about life yeah you know what inspires you mm. so that the average person i think would would find it very daunting to ask these questions to a complete stranger how do you go about it just do it <laughs> i i love do it love doing that yep. it's um yeah it, it strikes up i don't know it, it gives permission for other people to speak up beyond just the blah blah conversations of mm. nothingness and it's like, oh, wow, what, what a, a beautiful start to a conversation. And it's like, mm. okay, well, what really does inspire me about life and what mm. is important to me and what do I genuinely love about it? Mm. Yeah, great. Um, Marush, would you be able to explain the Love Cup um, philosophy that you've created? Yeah, it's a methodology that I created and refined over the years. And it's interesting, the more and more I apply it for myself because I'm uh, proofing it. You know, I, I like to live everything first and experience it firsthand uh, before going out and sharing and teaching. Otherwise, it's all just uh, the seven love cups, which are essentially pillar cups. And the cups represent the, uh, the vessel, the foundations of oneself. How full and empty they are is what we sense about life. And say, for instance, like one of the cups might be uh, financial and some people may have holes in their cups or whatever money comes into their world it just leaks straight through and never gets uh, filled up or there might be cracks or some people sense that they don't even have a cup um you know some feel like it's you know it gets a little bit full but it immediately empties and so and it's a check-in uh i guess a check-in reference point within yourself of how full and fulfilled you're feeling at specific times in life and it can happen on a daily basis or weekly, monthly, however you want to check in and that's just a, a percentage and a sense to feel within that. So there's the seven main uh, love cups which are those areas that we seek fulfilment in in life. Mm -hmm. uh, now within those seven love cups there are the sibling cups which kind of hover above them and they're like the sipper cups of life. Some of them people might like like mini shot glasses or little, mm -hmm. you know, uh, mini coffee, what do you call those mini cups, those micchiatos, or uh, little, yeah. you know, yep. short black. And um, and they're the life experiences that we have, and they might be whether they're hobbies or passions or interests or connections that we have mm. or all the interactions. And they kind of, each of those sipper cups then 
overflow and they get poured into those seven main love cups, which uh, essentially then that's, you know, our experiences that we have in life is what then equates to how full and empty those uh, seven love cups are. And then those fundamentally, when they become full and overflowing, do then fill up what I call the love bucket. And the love bucket is essentially the bucket list of life. Mm. And so we all want to fulfill in life. And, uh, but however, sometimes, you know, life isn't all peaches and cream and uh, we have complexities and sometimes those cups get filled with murky water, sometimes they get filled with rocks and sometimes they get full of shit. Mm. And, um, you know, some people have had a hard day, week, month, year, and some people have had a really hard life. And so we look at, okay, well, let's say the cups are full of crap, what do we do with them? So I've created another bucket and that's off to the side of the love bucket and that's what I refer to as the fuck it bucket and sometimes we've got to chuck Memorable. it in the fuck it bucket yep. and uh, and within this methodology then uh, we work you know together as how we can come up with personal strategies and your own love life formula mm -hmm. that uh, allows you to come back to loving life and celebrating living mm. oh, yeah. what do you think is preventing people from throwing their shit into the fuck it bucket? Fear of change. Mm. Fear of the unknown. Mm. Uh, sometimes they're so familiar with uh, trauma, drama, the understanding that their world is just as it is, sometimes being caught in that victimhood mentality. Um, it's so familiar that they wouldn't know a world without that reference point. Mm. And so to let go of that can be more frightening than it is the pure potentiality of something fresh and new. Hmm. Uh, Marush, so one of the, the major themes you like to instill in people is living from your heart and in doing that, restoring the love back into people. Um, when you're working with someone that, that has problems with this, what are the steps you go through? I feel we all have a reference point of love. Mm-hmm. Some of us may have a distorted view of that. Some of us have been subject to various things in life that aren't often the most favourable. Mm. Some of it might be tumultuous and some of it might be quite traumatic. And an example of that, say, for instance, uh, those who grew up in perhaps a, a, an abusive family, for instance, uh, knowing these are my parents and they went through a tremendous amount of abuse and there was either conflicts or arguments at home. So their maybe perceived understanding of what love or loving is, is being in an environment that perhaps may be chaotic or tumultuous. So, and so to be able to navigate beyond that paradigm or that understanding is to be able to really come back inwardly and stop looking outwardly for solutions in others and experiences and really come back into wholeness within yourself and really discover what is truly important to you within life, mm. your values, the type of interactions that really matter and how I help people with that is giving a little reminder, a little wake-up call. Now, we're all dying. It's just a matter of time. Mm. 
So if we look at our age at where we're at right now, we can all grasp or sense a rough age frame which we might or ideally wish to live to. Mm -hmm. And so whichever that amount is, you can calculate how many years that remaining and we can calculate that into how many days, then how many hours, how many minutes, yep. how many seconds. And on average, we have 14 to 16 breaths per minute. And if we calculate it into breaths, and then you're looking at how you're spending each one of those breaths, mm. and you're like, oh, the countdown's on. Mm. And if you knew you had 48 hours or a week to live, you'd suddenly drop all the shit just in an instant and you'd be like, what would be the most important things for you right there? What would you need to summarise? What would you need to finalise? What were the conversations you really need to have? And what do you think it usually is? What is it? In relation to... Preventing people from doing what they really should be doing. Fear of being loved. Mm. Why, is, why is that scary? I, this is what totally baffles me. Um, but yet it's what keeps me doing what I'm doing. We crave it at the most deepest level, mm. that intimacy, that connection, that unconditional feeling of love within self, one another, and the world we live in, and even within that spiritual realm as well. Mm. Yet the reality scares the living shit out of so many. Mm. And if it shows up, concern of either being hurt more so than embracing the incredible joy and the elation and the, the amazing thing of being able to experience what love truly is and look at life through the focal lens of love in me my personal world certainly outweighs harboring the bullshit do you think some people are afraid of being loved because of past heartbreak or or um past traumatic experiences yeah absolutely I actually did surveys for a number of years uh, personally questioning uh, thousands of Australians one-on-one -on -one, and one of the biggest things that they ticked in some of the areas they were they were suffering in and had complications in were heartache mm -hmm. heartache and pain and, and the heartbreak so that probably is one of the largest um, mm. many people are overthinkers as well and over complexify yep. things in life mm. when they don't necessarily need to be as complex. But uh, the fear of love, it's interesting. If we look at our society and culture as a whole, especially in Western, and we're in a tremendous amount of uh, information overload in marketing and billboards mm. and media and television mm. and, and, Facebooks, uh, and all Facebook of that scrolling. stuff. And if we really look at it, and I see it from a, um, a very different, different viewpoint, and I, what I see a tremendous amount of for the sake of commercialization and capitalistic purposes is preying on people's sense of lack, mm. lack within. Right. And so for consumerism purposes, here, feel shit, and we'll sell you this, you'll feel better. Mm. Yet... Fundamentally, we have all the incredible ingredients already inside for inner fulfillment. Mm. And uh, it's not necessarily caught up in possessions and things that provide a band-aid or a temporary relief or mm. pacification for a moment. 
you know, be it substance or whatever it might be. And um, so it's a matter of, yeah, just looking in to what you're really valuing in life, what really is important and uh, really embracing some of the simple things in life. And I often find less is more. Mm, Great. Uh, Marush, what what song do we have next? Uh, This is one that reminds me of my uh, middle-born son of my three, who's just a delightful soul. I remember I was going through a a real challenging time, and he may have been only maybe two, lucky to have been three, and he could barely string his words together, and it was just so beautiful. And we played a a Bob Marley song, Mm -hmm. and um, I remember I was emotional, and I was crying, and he came up to me and just rested his little beautiful head, and he was, you know, up to just above my knee, and he's pressed his head against my thigh, and he's like, he came up to me and said, hey, Dad, don't worry. Everything going to be all right. <laughs> and I completely bawled my eyes out, and he j- and it just, it has such a significant moment in my life, and it is the most beautiful song, and it's our song. And whenever I have moments of hard times, I refer back to my children and there's where that unconditional love is. So wow. don't worry about a thing because everything will be all right. Wow, that's really beautiful. Here it is, Three Little Birds. And that was Three Little Birds by Bob Marley and the Whalers. You're listening to An Hour in the Life with Charlie Bell on Sin Nation. I'm speaking with Marush Wegren. <laughs> and uh, he is a love, intimacy, and sex coach, and an all-round lover of life. Um, so before that song, um, Marush shared a story where um, his his son came up to him and said, "Don't worry, Daddy, everything's going to be alright." And it we were just discussing during that song that that reminded me um, also what we were just talking about that everything that you need is already inside you demonstrated by his three-year-old little boy he he sensed what his father needed and it, it was there and it was raw and it was real and as we progress and as we get conditioned by society people are doing this less and less and um yeah i think it it relates us back to um we, we need to relate back to these base instincts that we have as a child uh so marish your enterprise love life what is the ultimate mission yeah, so I've got a very large global humanitarian vision and for me that is to put an end to human suffering and that's specifically relating to the effects of sexual assault, sexual abuse and interference. And uh, I'd like to achieve that within four generations and put an end to that uh, by education that currently is not available and uh, of all my years of working with people through trauma and suffering and a lot of complications that people do have with intimacy, sex, relating, relationships, affection, all of that, um, a lot of it stemmed from having experienced some form of sexual trauma. Mm. And uh, one in three females and one in six males under the age of 12, according to the Australian Bureau of Statistics 2006, have been subject to sexual abuse or sexual assault. And that's mm. those who have actually come out and professed. Many people actually take this to the grave. Now, mm. if that, those statistics are back in 2006, 
and at that epidemic rate, that's mortifying. Mm. So if this remains unspoken of or unattended to, and we can't get this out and open in the public arena, then we've got to look at where we are as a culture, as a race, as a society, as humanity, why this continues to exacerbate. So is it a lack of connection that's leading to people to sexually assault others? Oh, look, that is a big discussion. It's, uh, there's no one answer in relation to that, to be quite mm. honest. Mm. Um, that is a massive topic, hence why I'm actually uh, hosting a forum this Friday to discuss further in that. And many of you may be familiar of the hashtag MeToo campaign that happened uh, a little while ago that went uh, viral. And um, that was so many people coming up and speaking up about sexual assault and abuse that they've personally experienced. So what I'm actually working on and, and hosting this coming Friday is an event that allows people to come uh, in, in compassion and we're empowering each other through empathy in a forum, in a safe space where we can discuss freely where to from now. I was like, mm. fair enough, so many people have shared their Me Too story, mm. but now what? Mm. Where to from now? What do you think the Me Too campaign has achieved so far? It's allowed people, one, to come out, and that's a, a very courageous step. Mm. And again, there's a lot of trauma associated with sexual abuse and assault. Mm. There's a lot of guilt, shame, humility, uh, fear. There's a tremendous amount. There's so many human emotions that people are suffering with as a result of it. And this has provided them a brilliant first step of vocalizing it. And often the first step towards healing and moving forward with anything is often the most challenging to gain momentum. Mm. So that has provided an, an exquisite space to be able to, okay, we get this out and it's clear but now we need to come up with some remedies some mm. solutions and some methods to be able to uh, yeah, navigate beyond just coming out yeah. why do you think people are so severely affected by sexual assault sexuality is one of our most primal instincts mm -hmm. um, it's, it's there for obviously reproductive and procreation purposes and and it's designed as pleasure so that we do procreate as a race as a species the innocence of someone who's defenseless who hasn't got clear boundaries can provide consent can speak up for themselves and that being taken from them and forced upon is soul soul crushing it's mm. it, it can ruin a person's life in all their engagements and that sense of connection and that connectivity to whether it's themselves, mm. others, or life in general and the world that they live in, that can be a, a big essence and a big contributor from that. Mm, yeah. Wow. Um, we do, we are running out of time, so we will have to push on to the next song. Yeah. Um, what have we got next, Marush? Okay, so... As a reminder, and the songs are very different from all the last, and I've tried to mix them up a bit, so we've got very different themes overall because that uh, helps me paint the colour of my life as well because <laughs> it is very rainbow-like. So uh, this one's got a... It's called It's a Whole Lot of Living to Do, and uh, this is also a reminder that 
there is a whole lot of living to do. You are alive. We have got the gift of life and the miracle of it. So get out and live it. Enjoy the lyrics, guys. Great. This is a whole lot of, sorry, a lot of living to do by Nancy Wilson. And that was a lot of living to do by Nancy Wilson. Uh, you are listening to an hour in the life on Sin Nation with Charlie Bell. I'm speaking to Marush Wegren, who is a love, intimacy, sex coach, and all-round lover of life. So, Marush, why are you inspired to get behind these causes? Because you are insanely passionate. Where does where does this come from? Yeah, well. I'd have to tell you, uh, it's from my own personal experience and what I went through in order to get to where I am now and what I was committed to myself to be able to restore that. And I unfortunately, as a child, uh, I'm a survivor of sexual assault and sexual abuse. At a very young age, I was groomed by a male friend and uh, and that was over a process of a couple of years and then the interference as well and the abuse and the assaults happened over another couple period of years as well. And as a child, as the first, I guess, sexual experience as well, it stripped a lot of who I was away and it felt like a tremendous a part of my sense of self, my spirit, was taken from me. And it was a process of... 20 plus years of reclaiming those fragmented parts of myself and what I felt happened at the time for safety's sake I vacated my body during the assault and I become really disconnected from it so my spirit kind of checked out and Mm -hmm. left my body while my body was being violated and but yet my spirit remained out of my body in order to feel safe it's like do whatever you want to my body but you're not going to affect my sense of spirit and it's like my mind went one pole direction my spirit went another physically and my emotions they all went in four cardinal polar opposite directions Mm. and it was a process over these years of reclaiming all of that because i owed it to myself of wanting to really get back to that pure innocence and essence that i knew i had within me that was recognized prior to the abuse by my grandfather and who was a beautiful reflection in my life who just really saw me for as just being a beautiful soul and just loved it unconditionally and just had this amazing connection just to be able to emanate that magic of just love. Mm. And uh, so that's why I did that. And I spent 20 plus years in education and various modalities and studying various sciences and psychologies. And my goodness, my whole life has been immersed in to be able to assist people and, um, yeah, to become I mean, better lovers. But, uh, yeah, just really restore their sense of spirit within themselves. Wow. Which people should survivors of sexual assault be talking to and what sort of conversations should they be having to help them get through it? Yeah, I feel transparency and courageous vulnerability uh, mm. would be a beautiful first step. And what I, when I say courageous vulnerability, it's almost an oxymoron in itself. It's like, how do you be courageous but yet vulnerable at the same time? So it's, it's kind of putting those fears aside and saying, hey, this is where I'm really at. This is what I'm feeling. I don't want to put on a mask anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm tired of my life being this way and I really need to make a change and I owe it to myself. So I'm going to take action in doing so. 
And so there, uh, look, there are incredible organisations out there as well. And I'm really passionate about bringing all of this to awareness. And this is why I'm hosting this event uh, this coming Friday. So, and this is just a forum where people who are survivors or people who have been indirectly or directly affected by it can come together again in compassion so we can uh, discuss and learn from each other's trials and tribulations and create methods within oneself to be able to move forward and beyond the complications that have arisen from the traumas that uh, many people have experienced. Mm. A reminder for anyone that's um, suffering from sexual assault, there is the sexual National Sexual Assault Domestic Family Violence Counselling Service. Um, that number is 1-800-RESPECT or 1-800-737-732. Reaching out is, is um, a great step. Um, Moish, could you please give the details of that forum this Friday, the timing and location? Sure. It's uh, this Friday, 20th of April, and it's in Collingwood at a place called Second Story Studios. And it's by donation. It's all the 100% of the proceeds go towards the Love Life Foundation. And again, it is to... Uh, put an end to sexual assault and sexual abuse through an education platform that I'm in the process of developing. And uh, and that would be at, uh, I think it starts at 7 p.m., so 6.45 mm-hmm. arrive, and we're going for about two to two and a half hours. And um, the address is online as well. And uh, you can probably go to my Facebook page, which uh, you probably have to spell my yeah. name out to everybody so they can <laughs> at least go to that. So that's Marush, spelled M-A-R-U-S, and surname Wegrin is W-E-G-R-Z-Y-N. Great. Uh, before we wrap up, it'd be great to, to learn a bit about your background and uh, your formative years. Um, could you give a, a rough background of what your childhood was like? Okay, so my childhood was uh, pretty good actually overall when I look back at it uh, I just grew up in an average family middle class just suburbia uh, we were fortunate enough to be able to get away on weekends uh, often to the beach which we spent in Ocean Grove so I was born and bred here in Melbourne mm. and uh, was yeah blessed to be able to get down to the beach every weekend parents well everybody has their their ways and dynamics of looking at their their parental influences Mm. and their relationship with that. But fundamentally, uh, loving parents. But unfortunately, they had no idea what was going on and it's something that I could never uh, share with them or with what happened to me in relation to the trauma as well. And their views around sexuality as well were, uh, I saw, pretty archaic and prehistoric. And, Mm. you know, they had a different uh, spiritual belief as well. And so, uh, yeah, it was just... uh, differences in generations as well that I experienced. Mm. So what was the what were your parents attitude about sex and relationships when you were a teenager? Yeah, so my parents uh, essentially uh, well their parents, my grandparents were Catholic upbringing and so there's uh, a lot of uh, <laughs> uh, I guess you could say uh, indoctrination around that mm. and uh, it necess- wasn't necessarily embracing and celebrating sexuality and there was a lot of guilt and shame and um, humility around uh, sexual expression and you know there was the typical uh, thing where it's like you needed to be married prior to having sex and I recall my first sexual experience as a teenager well and then them finding out which they thought was my first time which I did have 
much prior to that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they completely freaked, and I was I didn't understand what the whole hoo ha about, and they were just you know like they were grieving, and there was all this anger and projection, and all this verbal almost diarrhea coming out at me and <laughs> I was like what and I was in the place like wow we had this conscious conversation about it we planned it it was beautiful we were in a couple we were in a couple for a good year mm. um, we spoke about it we we, we looked at protection methods methods and you know being health uh, being healthy and safe and then it was just a very beautiful experience and to the point where I ended up ended up consoling and consulting to my parents that something that they never had access to. And I thought, well, mm. this is really bizarre. I'm a teenager here teaching them. Mm. Oh. Oh. I'm sure that's not um, a rare situation to occur, especially with the pace, um, the social changes that have occurred over the past 50 years. Yeah, and look, my parents are coming from a European country as well and uh, of a Polish descent and uh, as immigrants here and... Uh, then they've had to flee a war-torn country as well and coming here and settling. So they didn't really have the luxuries of what I had here being born mm. in Australia mm. uh, to what you know they've experienced and had access to and grew up with and as knowledge or just even interactions with one another was very, very different paradigm. Yeah. So coming from a family um, that there were immigrants, was it ever tough coming from a different background? At times, it's funnily enough, um, <laughs> no one can see me uh, on air, but uh, I actually have a very dark complexion and I'm a sun lover, hence why I do live up in northern New South Wales. And um, yeah, I've got really dark olive skin. And as a child, also um, that came through and I often, uh, with discrimination uh, was a fairly, fairly big thing back then as well. And you know that whole politically correctness and the respect that we currently have now in today's society didn't exist and I remember being uh, often thought of as uh, an Indigenous Australian and uh, I remember one day being down at the beach and I was being picked on and uh, really picked on actually and um, by a few bullies and uh, in the end to, uh, to prove myself I ended up uh, pulling down my uh, board shorts and burying my ass at them <laughs> showing how white I actually was but um, but now it's a beautiful thing. I really celebrate uh, my mm. my complexion because I have a, a number of beautiful Indigenous friends and, and, mm. and a lot of worldly friends. And I've got this, uh, I guess, uh, look about me that uh, a lot of people think I'm from very different parts of the world. And many people think I might be Israeli or Brazilian, Argentinian, mm. uh, or even uh, Kiwi. Or mm. yeah, So um, it's a beautiful thing that I embrace yeah. and celebrate. Now. Yeah, it's, it suits you as a, a citizen of this globe. Mm. Yeah. Um, when you were finishing up high school, did you did you have direction about uh, where you wanted to do and what you wanted to do with your life? I did actually, because um, I've always loved what I've done, and I've always been one of these people. If I didn't love what I did, then what was the point to it? And so I was very passionate about my arts at the time and I did want to go to university and study graphic arts and uh, but that's when we started to get into the digital age and when I went to a university open day I saw that it was all heading this way and it didn't allow me to uh, work with my hands so uh, I chose not to go into university and then ended up taking up an apprenticeship once I completed my VCE in year 12 
and uh, then ended up uh, niching in what I love to uh, still do is, is restore things. And uh, back then I spent uh, 17 years restoring old homes, derelict mm-hmm. period style homes. And uh, now I'm still in the restoration game and now I just love to see it as uh, restoring the human spirit. Mm. Do you feel like your brain is going through any of the same processes when you're restoring a person compared to restoring a house? Yeah, it starts at the foundations, but you've got to begin with the end in mind. So if you're uh, wanting to build a home, for instance, and you've got to think of the roof first, and uh, for a roof to stand up, you need to know where all the load-bearing points are. So if you're going to dig a hole, you need to know exactly where to dig the hole mm. and get the right amount of things. So if you have... Uh, a concept or an idea then it's like begin with the end in mind and reverse engineer it and it all begins with the foundation get the foundations right and you can build anything on top Mm. and uh, you also you mentioned that you're a really keen surfer how has surfing impacted your life and made you the person that you are that is my bliss zone that is when I just get to melt away and I have this beautiful sense that all bodies of water on the planet are connected and mm. so when I immerse in the water I just feel I'm a fire sign so it actually beautifully balances me out mm. and um, so when I'm in immersed in the ocean I just completely surrender and what surfing teaches me and especially during wipeout because uh, some days the ocean wins and some days you have an amazing surf and uh, and when you get wiped out it teaches you complete surrender and trust and you're handing over yourself to what could be potentially deathly situation as well and i've surfed different uh, breaks around the world as well and and there's that surfer thing always looking for that most incredible perfect wave to surf Mm. so uh yeah just my relationship with the earth is and nature in in general is my place of coming home within myself in uh times when i just need to recharge and fill up my cups Mm. yeah great when you think of the people that have made you you, who are these people? Any any figures in particular? Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, my grandfather, um, who who passed away when I was also at an early age, but he saw me for my sense of spirit. He he just had this presence to him and this unconditional love and and it wasn't really articulated in words it was just felt Mm. and you could see it with the sparkle in his eye and you could just look at me and and in my eyes and we just had this unspoken love that was really profound and it was a connection that I actually had more so with him than I even had with my own parents and uh, brother um, and other family members and uh, he He's a beautiful reminder and that essence that I got to experience in unconditional love is something that I have within me and we all have within me and it's just a matter of whether you're going to allow yourself to be seen in that and, and are you able to show that in your life experience as well and I show that unconditionally every day with my children and absolutely love that. Hmm. Is it possible to define love? To define love? In words. That is a beautiful question. In words. Again, it comes back to a feeling. It's a sense. Words? No. What the beautiful thing is, is that words cannot describe. Hmm. 
and it's just the sense of a knowing without any question to even words that tend to we, we're actually limited with words it tends mm. to complicate things because it can't even justify sometimes the essence of what we're actually feeling that mm. that emanates and, and gets received by ourselves and our bodies so no not at all mm. <laughs> wow wow uh, Marush, before we wrap up, um, you've got a national audience um, on this on this radio station. Mm-hmm. Um, how can people follow you and get involved with any of your initiatives? Yeah, sure. Okay, so uh, Love Life Education is what I'm developing at the moment, and that's becoming the education platform, and uh, it's uh, still at early stages, but you can get in contact with me there. I do offer mentor and consulting and coaching services via there and that's all available also via Skype or Zoom and online yep. if I'm not in the capital city at a particular time for a one-on-one. Yep, so um, just Google Love Life and they'll find you? Yeah, Google yep. Love Life. There's Love Life Foundation as well. We can contribute to the cause as well and I'm receiving contributions that are going to continue allowing me to develop this education platform mm-hmm. that's going to assist people to uh, to really get the help that they need in this one place. Mm-hmm. Great. And do you want to give one final reminder of that forum that's happening this Friday? So this Friday, yep, it's, it's called um, hashtag me too, where to from now. And it's this Friday at Second Story Studios in Collingwood, commencing at 7pm till 9.30. So please do arrive early and it is by contribution. There's a suggested contribution of $10 concession, $15 full, but if you really can't... Uh, can't afford it that's perfectly okay this is really about just coming together and being able to get through some of the complications great well uh that's a wrap um we've got one more song left uh what's this one you've picked for us marush so we've the last song we've got is uh hooked on a feeling this is uh i asked my eldest son this soon as i said what's the first song that pops into your mind when you think of me he said hooked on a feeling and I just laughed and he said, you're all about feeling, Dad, and everything you do is about <laughs> feeling. So uh, he goes, I don't know why it popped in. That's a song that came in. He goes, that's you. And I said, awesome, mate. That's what we're going to roll with. So here's Hooked on a Feeling. Great. Thank you very much, Marush. It's been an absolute pleasure to interview you. Thanks for having me. No worries. Here it is.